Well, this morning, um, we're going to look together at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. Uh, and as we do, I, I want you to think about something. The Bible is filled with sheltering in place orders. Think about it with me for a moment. Uh, think about the Israelites who the night before the Passover, they were sheltering in place. They huddled in their homes um, and getting ready to move out into the Passover, uh, through the Passover, and then move out into their freedom. And then think about with me, King David, he was sheltering in place in a cave um, to protect himself from the murderous King Saul. And then fast forward in history, and you remember the disciples were ordered by Jesus to shelter in place until the Holy Spirit came, till the day of Pentecost. Well, let's go backward in time a little bit as we think about what might be the most famous sheltering in place uh, account in all of the Bible. You'll remember the scene, I'm sure. It is the week um, when Jesus rose from the dead, a week later, and we read these words in verse 26 of John chapter 20. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The doors were locked. They're in a lockdown, I guess you could say. This is sheltering in place, really. And we know that it has been at least a week that this has been going on. Remember the night of that very first Easter, the night that Jesus rose from the dead. Here's the words we find in John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Following the greatest day in the history of the world, the disciples are sheltering in place. Even though the majority of the disciples at this point have already seen him, he has already blessed them with peace, he's already assured them, they remain in a lockdown. They are sheltering in place. But by all accounts, there's not a government directive to stay at home here. This is self-imposed. This sheltering in place is self-afflicted, if you will. These disciples are sheltered in place because they've been afflicted with anxiety and uncertainty and doubt and grief and fear. So these disciples are in that position. These who have seen Jesus himself are locked down by these besetting emotions and their reactions in response to an upended world and dashed hopes. And then add to the picture, Thomas. You know Thomas, he's the one we unfortunately, yes, unfortunately label the doubter. Add him into the mix, and this is what we discover. These disciples are finding themselves in fragile days. They're finding how fragile life is in many ways. And you know what? So are we, aren't we? When I look at these disciples, I can't help but be encouraged and comforted as I see them hunkering down. And you might say, Pastor Jeff, you, you're encouraged by this? You, you find comfort in this? Yes, I do. You see, it's easy to take pot shots at the disciples 2,000 years later on this side of the resurrection. But on this side of a pandemic, 
it is easy to understand what they are experiencing, isn't it? But I bet these disciples had one desire. I bet they wished what would happen is that Jesus would just show up and that he would just stay. You know, just like it had been for the last three years. If they could just see him all the time, be with him all the time, just like it used to be, they would feel much better. But what happened to the disciples was this. They lost some of the foundational practices, activities, interactions, and behaviors. They lost some of that routine that they had with Jesus. They had become accustomed to being with Jesus around them all the time. Their world revolved around this relationship with him 24-7. And then the next thing you know, those routines were gone. So what they are experiencing in this upending is not sinful, but it's human. You see, there's an old idea, really. It's very old. Maybe it began with these disciples. In fact, maybe we can just thank Thomas for being among the first to think it out loud. This is how he said it. The disciples have gathered, the disciples uh, have now this week later gathered and Thomas is there. And so the disciples look at him and say, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas says to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. It's that old idea. If only we could see Jesus. Maybe we can have a cup of coffee with him, sit down and Jesus, let's talk about what's going on. Maybe we can go on a bike ride with him. Maybe we can take a walk in the woods with Jesus, practicing social distancing, of course, right now. Or maybe we think in these terms, if Jesus would just end this pandemic, if Jesus would relieve the financial strain, if Jesus would just give me my job back, if Jesus would just make things the way they once were, if Jesus would just make it the way it was before, I would feel so much better. You see, what the disciples wanted was the way things used to be. They wanted what they had lost. What about you? What about you today? What about me? We imagined that that would be the case then life would be so much easier. This living of our faith would be so much easier, we think. You see, I think this upper room scene has some lessons for us as we're in lockdown, so to speak. A lesson or two to teach us today. Jesus, the first lesson is this. Jesus meets us in our disruptions, disorientation, and doubts. The upper room is this mix of all kinds of emotions. There's excitement and there's fear. There's faith and there's doubt. This is all just mixing together. I sense some of that mixing in myself. Those who have seen Jesus are trying to get their heads around it. They don't quite understand it. They're, they're, they're fearful on one end. They're excited on the other end. They're amazed by it and excited. But, but the threats that are outside seem bigger than the faith that is inside. 
the doors were locked. The doors were locked, and they have been locked every day, it seems, for seven days. Now, Thomas, he's the one who tries to bring them down to earth. They're, they're standing there, and they're, they know that, that what's going on outside is creating disruption within them. And, and they say, we've seen the Lord. We're trying to understand this. And he just kind of tries to bring them all down to earth. The claims they are making are just too much for this pragmatic, rational thinker. It makes no sense, he's thinking to himself. Let me see him the way I last saw him. Unless I see things the way I understand them to be, don't talk to me about this living Jesus. And within each of us, as we celebrate the resurrection, as we place our faith in Jesus, we have the same kind of excitement as those disciples did. We have seen the Lord, and we say, look how God's changed our lives. But then the winds of disappointing life events, unfulfilled dreams, catastrophic circumstances, uncertain times, rage louder than our excited resurrection declarations. Pandemics arrive. Some pandemics are very physical and global, right? And some pandemics are very intimate, internal, and personal. Disruption, disorientation, doubt. Remember, I said the response of the disciples brought me some comfort. Remember that? Well, here's why. Because when Jesus shows up, it's not so much what he does that encourages me. It's what he doesn't do that encourages me. He does not criticize or minimize what they're feeling or what they're experiencing. Even with Thomas, Jesus is not offended by the doubts that Thomas has. In fact, instead, he guides Thomas to faith in the midst of them. The most famous artistic rendering, the painting that captures this moment, is one of Jesus guiding, guiding Thomas's hands to the wounds. What is he doing? He's guiding him to faith. It was Paul Tillich who said this, Doubt is not the opposite of faith. It is one element of faith. And so Jesus shows up right there. He shows up in the way that Thomas needs him to show up. He shows up in the way that the others need him to show up. And in that, we find our second lesson. Not only does Jesus show up in our disruption, disorientation, and doubt, but Jesus does not show up as the Jesus they want, but as the Jesus they need. Jesus shows up in our lives as the God we need, not always the God we want. You see, he shows up as the risen Jesus, the transformed Jesus, the Jesus who will actually, for the rest of their lives, truly, truly never leave them nor forsake them. Some of his final words before he left them, never to be seen by them physically again, were these words. If you remember them, at the end of Matthew's gospel, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that presence that is with us right now is only possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is why what I shared on Wednesday is true. These words from Basil Hume. 
The greatest gift of Easter is hope. Christian hope, which makes us have confidence in God, in his ultimate triumph, and in his goodness and love, which nothing, nothing can shake. Look outside the window of that house where the disciples are sheltering in place. It looks like nothing has changed. There are still threats that are real, circumstances that are hard. There are still decisions that are going to be difficult for those disciples. Outside that window, nothing has changed. Jesus, it seems, does not change one thing that is outside their window. What changed is what happened inside the room, inside those disciples. It is the ultimate lesson for us today. Seeing the wounds of Jesus, Thomas awakens to faith. And Thomas says this to him, my Lord and my God, in verse 28. Do you know that that's the only place in the New Testament, where in, in the Gospels, where one of the disciples, where someone looks at Jesus and says, my God. What a great act of faith. In response to Thomas's declaration, though, Jesus teaches them and us a life lesson about this lockdown we find in John chapter 20 and about our lives today. He says, because you have seen me, Thomas, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So I have a question for you today. What is it that you do not see right now, but you wish you could see right now? In what ways are you wondering where God is? Why he is not changing things? What do you wish you could touch right now that would make things better, that would make things easier? How is it that you have found your heart sheltering in place, locked down by your grief and your doubts and your fears and your angst, your disappointments? See, I think what the risen Christ is saying to those disciples and saying to us is this. Blessed are those who trust Jesus for who he is and not for what they want him to be or want him to do or how they want him to work it out. Trust that is birthed in love and carried out over time. Trust that is rooted in relationship with the living Jesus just out of nothing but love for him regardless of what he does for us, regardless of circumstances we find ourselves in. You see, that's how Peter put it, and, you know, he was there. He was one of those who was sheltering in place uh, in the upper room. He was there when Jesus showed up. He heard Jesus speak, and he watched when Thomas was awakened to faith. He, he watched him guide his hand to the wounds. His words offer us a key to seeing Jesus and encountering what he calls this living hope, a hope that has life and breath and skin and bones, your life and your breath and your skin and your bones and mine. Here are the words from Peter. He said, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Stop there for a moment. 
You are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You're not filled with happiness, which is based on circumstances. You're not filled with things working out exactly the way you always want them to be. You are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls, is what he says. You are receiving in Christ what you need, what I need, what we need more than anything. It's true. All too often, we live by a different axiom, this axiom. We live by the axiom, seeing is believing. But the real truth is, believing is seeing. Yes, believing is seeing. It really is true. And that believing leads to hope, and it expands our vision and our capacity and our ability to see Jesus as we actually need him in our lives, the one who is with us. And when we struggle to see, he is the one we can count on, place our faith in, to guide us and lead us and be with us even in our doubts. And we can place those doubts in his trust and in his care. And you know what he does? He welcomes us to himself and says, peace be with you. You know, this week I was reading an article about feelings and what causes them and what, what drives them. The old school of thought was this, that our feelings determine how we act, but that's not really true. Actually, our actions determine how we feel. And so to illustrate that, uh, the author, Brian Penn, tells of a cartoon, and I just want you to imagine this scene in your own mind. Picture a little bird singing in a tree, and that's not too difficult to do today. They are singing all over the place right now. So when you go outside today, listen for that little bird that's singing in the tree. Look for that little bird. Now I want you to imagine this little bird. And this man's standing underneath this tree, and he looks up, and he sees this little bird with a smile on his face. Now imagine a bird with a big, toothy grin, right? And the man says to the little bird this, You must be singing because you are happy. And the little bird with that big, toothy grin smiles wide and says, Not at all. I'm happy because I'm singing. I'm happy because I'm getting to sing. What are you getting to do right now? What are you doing right now that brings joy, that brings joy to you? You see, that's part of the lesson of the upper room today. It's about recovering the foundational practice of believing. It's about choosing the act of believing Choosing to believe even when what we see around us may scream against that. And in believing, really seeing who Jesus is right now, really seeing who he is, the ever-present resurrected Savior who we can trust with the very salvation of our souls. And if we can trust him with that, we can trust him for these days we find ourselves in, for the pains and the losses of life that we are encountering. For the hopes and the dreams we, we have to let go. Hopes and dreams we have to let go of. For the days of uncertainty and disruption and disorientation and doubt. For the dark places, the dark places 
where we need a new touch of faith. You see, we can trust him because after all, resurrection, new life, being with us, resurrection, that's his specialty. So today, receive the words he shared with some others who were sheltering in place. Not once, but three times he offered them this gift. The living Christ now offers it to you and to me. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, go and believe that he is your Lord and your God. Amen. So let me ask you, as we close our time together today, what one action will help you engage your belief in Jesus right now? What one action will help you engage your trust, your faith, your belief in Jesus right now? Though you have not seen him, you love him. So what will help engage that? Maybe you need to sing a song out loud. And maybe not. Maybe you're going to offend the people around you. So why don't you get uh, one of your favorite songs and find the lyrics and just read them. Read them to yourself out loud. Listen to the posted playlist. Boy, the playlist this week is amazing. It's great. Take it in. Listen to it. Worship the Lord through it. Write a note to someone explaining to them what you are thankful for. Yes, we're going to keep practicing that practice of gratitude. What are you thankful for? What are you thanking God for today? And today, if you want to, please post a comment on our Facebook page following this message of why you have joy today. Maybe your comment might encourage someone else who is really needing someone to help them believe today. Maybe today, maybe today you're going to guide someone to that faith, to that believing. So post a comment about why you have joy today, even if you do not feel it. And then maybe take a walk outside with your children and marvel at the beauty of God's creation out loud and look for that bird that's singing. And then think about how you're going to sing with your life. Maybe one more thing you could do. Maybe we can do. Maybe you can pause and pray the Lord's Prayer. In fact, let's do that as we close today. And when we get to the place where we say, yours is the kingdom, pray that with enthusiasm for we really believe it. You see, resurrection is all about the living God who is breaking in with his kingdom among us, no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through. And because that's true, believing is seeing for you, for me, for us. And we say thanks be to God. So let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Well, it is good to worship with you today. We want to invite you to walk into this week 
believing and seeing the love and the grace and the mercy of God in your life. Tell others about it. Let them know. And then we'll join you again on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly midweek word and prayer as we continue to practice resurrection. Now may the Lord God bless you. May he be with you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you. And may the Lord our God, the living Christ, give you peace. God bless you and happy Easter.